Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeating the Charlotte Hornets, who are, yes, ahead of them in the standings. They defeated them 125 to 113. The Hornets currently the seven seed. The Raptors down at number nine. Now 23 and 22 on the season. And they did this one without stalwart all-star guard Fred Van Vliet or ascendant young star Scotty Barnes. And then somewhere around, you know, the start of the game, not the very start, they had played some of it, but Justin Champagny also exited the game, as did P.J. Washington. We were on the verge of a Brook, a fight, and uh, it didn't happen, but they were exchanging cheap shots on each other over the course of like six possessions. The refs didn't call anything. <laughs> I mean, the, the refs just let it go on. They hammered the hell out of each other. And then finally, when it came to blows face-to-face, Everything else was like, you know, throwing an elbow, sticking out a knee, something like that. Then it came face to face. Then the refs were like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Then they went and watched back all the possessions prior and said, oh boy. Okay, let's get these guys out of here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they hate each other previously. I don't know if something was said that was over the line. I don't know what the hell happened there. But they they had a hatred on for each other. That much was, uh, you could see that going on in this game. But anyway, the Raptors... Uh, pretty handily, I would say, defeat the Charlotte Hornets. There was like one point in the game where you wondered, is this not going to go well? And that was saved largely by two players, Pascal Siakam and Delano Banton. If that surprises you, uh, hell yeah, I can't wait to get into it, why he was successful. And if you're of the, if you watch the game and you're just kind of cooling down with the podcast, thank you. But I mean, you saw it too. He was so immensely helpful. Uh, but otherwise, the rest of the game, I think, was pretty easy going for the Raptors. They just, they really leaned on Pascal Siakam's ability to read, you know, the, the Hornets defense exactly as it were, exactly as it was, I should say, and to glean the best shot available for the team or for himself almost every possession that he had the ball. He was masterful. Uh, the Hornets had nobody who could stop him, even if they have guys like Bridges that they can throw a body at him of a similar size. It's really athletic. It didn't matter. You know, they they hung Plumlee in the lane to try and deter some of the drives. But Pascal, as he's gotten really, really good at in the past, you know, it, we've seen it more so this year than any other year, you know, in, in his first 
in that all NBA season that he had, a big part of what made him successful was his ability to attack seams and get all the way to the bucket. And that was playing on a more potent Raptors offense for sure. And then we look at him this year and the offense looks a lot different and it is a lot more dependent on him. And his pull-up jumper from three isn't really going the way it was in his 2019-20 season. So he's segmenting and breaking up his drives so that he can continue to test out the stunts, the doubles that are coming his way, and wait for seams to either open up for him or for teammates. And as the result in this game, you can see, is like the 12 assists he had, he got there really easily. It came from feeds into the middle. It came from feeds out to three-point shooters. And he was 9 of 16 from the floor. He didn't even force anything. He was just so, you know, passively dominant that when he had the ball, the Hornets kind of started freaking out and like, okay, what do we throw at him? How are we going to shade him this way? How do we stop him if he has single coverage? And the answer to all of that throughout this whole game was basically, you don't. And so they didn't have anything they could do to stop him. He was made all the more dangerous by the fact that OG, Gary, Boucher, even Banton in this game, we're shooting the three well. The Raptors finished at 16 of 34 from downtown in this one. And so Pascal, when he passes to the outside and brings four or five players into the paint with him, those looks are so much more potent and they're so much more dangerous. And that really was the lifeblood of the Raptors offense early was Pascal eating in isolation, in single coverage, or, you know, somebody getting a really great opportunity because the team was shading him so much that way. Like, when Pascal's bringing the ball up the floor and they don't want him to be able to take somebody into single coverage, like without having their big back and they and then having to double in an uncomfortable position, maybe even in a cross match. So they kind of step up towards him and more than one player. And the opposite side of that is a guy like OG Ananobi. We've seen this against quite a few teams is OG is carving out space for a hit ahead, you know, not even post up because he's right under the basket. And Pascal's making those passes. OG's getting those either free throws or, you know, just dunks or layups. And so that's like a, that's a byproduct of OG putting in the work early in possessions to carve out that space, but also the attention that Pascal's getting. And that's maybe something that some people wouldn't notice, but viewers obviously did notice when he's get coming into the lane and teams are trying to decide, like, do we stunt? Do we double? How do we stop him? You could see that when the attention came, Pascal was picking up the right guys. Even in the first half, you could see he was getting into spots where he was waving guys off and asking for certain guys to come screen for him. This is something we've seen a lot of the best players in the NBA do. If they have a good understanding of how they can get a defense to rotate, they will start asking for certain screeners because they know what look they're going to create. That actually worked for Pascal in the first half largely. And that's, that's really a credit to his ability to influence the game. The pacing in this game was really great for the Raptors' offense. The looks they created really good. And then, obviously, they hit enough of them. And the Raptors, you know, I think they've been like 30th in half-court offense over the last five games. It's obviously been a slog, and that, that Trailblazers game really didn't help any of the statistics, neither did the finish to the Washington game. But to see Pascal kind of take the offense under his... Uh, stewardship, let's say. He was the overseer. And without Fred come out and deliver this kind of performance, super, super proud of him. He he was great in this game. And also defensively, just being able to man up like Miles Bridges, who was, you know, had, had a nice pop off the dribble in this game. And then you look at a guy like LaMelo Ball, who he finished with 25, but 
a lot of the possessions where he was being guarded by Pascal were the unsuccessful ones where he didn't get free throws, where he didn't get to a comfortable floater, where he had to pass out in air and couldn't create the best shot available. That's Pascal being able to stick a dynamic point guard in single coverage. That is meaningful. And then because you're looking at a team that has, they're missing Fred, they're missing Scotty. So some of their offensive identity leaves with them who's going to help fill that up, who's going to provide and supplement that. And OG did just a fantastic job, um, especially as an off-ball guy in this game. As I said, carving out space down low for those, you know, easy, easy looks, hitting his threes. You know, he went three for seven, super helpful. But then also being able to, it looked awkward on a few possessions, yes, but he did have some creation possessions where he got all the way to the bucket, all the way to the rim for finishes, that's huge because it changes the dynamic of how teams get to play him defensively and by proxy of that as teammates. And even and even to a higher degree than OG was Gary stepping in. He finished with 32 in this game. And like quite a bit of that was the product of threes created by Pascal or the motion, the rotation that Pascal caused, yes. But A, he has to hit those threes and he did. And B, he had a pretty heavy dose of self-created shots, especially in the mid-range in this game. And he even got to the bucket twice and he does not get to the bucket very often not often at all and so for him to come in given the difficulty of his shot diet in this game to go 11 of 21 from the field 52 percent and then I've said it many times on this podcast like I don't care that much about his ability to save possessions as like a mid-range shooting guy I just want him to hit the threes that are given to him that's where most of his because you know, most of his value is in the spacing, is in the ability to hit those threes against some contest to be able to sidestep out of them and even sometimes create a little bit for his own looks. But, you know, this game, it seemed like he couldn't miss and he missed almost half his shots. That's the type of difficult shots he takes. And so he comes out in a super big positive in this game on those difficult shots. He hit like four of them. Really, really tough mid-range looks. Super helpful. But more than anything, him being able to hit threes at a good clip, maybe even an elite one, maybe someday, right? That's where most of his value comes from in this offense is that defenses just can't afford to leave him open because a five of 10 night isn't that far away. You know, like, and the the saved possessions are great. Those three or four mid-range jumpers that went in from 18, 19 feet on that little step back of his Really nice to see, but that isn't consistent offense, and that's not something to set your watch to. So, hell yeah for him to do that tonight. He was His shot performance was really terrific. You know, 50-50-100 splits in this game, considering the type of shots he took, just super, super high talent level for shot making in that one. So, really great job, Gary Trent. Uh, defensively in this game, I thought he had a lot of problems like chasing and the Hornets are a team that they really pass the hell out of the ball. They ping it around. And that is the exact team that can put Gary Trent in some awkward positions with over-pursuing. And in this game, I thought he did. But these are quibbles, especially a guy gives you 32 on, I guess, what would it be like 23, 24 used possessions. That's really strong. He didn't turn the ball over. The assists weren't crazy or anything like that. But he just shot the hell out of the ball. And he just shot the hell out of the ball, man. The 32 points were big. He was super helpful. So, yeah, well done, Gary. Next guy I want to talk about is Delano Banton. So, Banton, I was most impressed, and this is why I think it was his best game as a pro so far, because to start that third quarter, the Raptors just had an awesome first half where Pascal was dominating every possession. 
leading everybody to good looks. And to start that second half, they kind of went more to OG for looks and stuff like that. And Precious being on the floor, Precious did take a possession for himself. And Precious possessions for himself are not my favorite brand of offense. In fact, you know, on the Raptors, it might be my least favorite brand. But he's just a guy taking a shot in the game. It's not like it ended everything. But the <laughs> and his inbound pass where he turned it over and gave up a layup, that wasn't good either. But anyway... The Hornets almost got right back into the game because the Raptors didn't have anything going offensively and they were also sluggish defensively. When Banton came in, it helped immensely because he is a super active defender and that's actually been, you know, probably the most uh, positive aspect of his game so far this year. Besides the finishing, I think has been a plus. He's, he's been able to finish through contact at high speeds with soft touch. It's a really cool thing for him. But as far as if we're thinking about things that indicate what he'll be good at in the future, and we've seen basically this year that he's only succeeded pushing in transition, the half court has been a real struggle for him. This game, he made just two or three fantastic plays to kick off that second half once he was in. The one, he took a pick and roll, snaked it into the middle and hit a mid-range jumper, which, you know, for the people who watched the 905 game, there's some carryover there. So that was cool to see. And then the second one was Pascal had the ball finally after some possessions that went awry without him um, without him playing a big role in them. He was mostly spacing, kind of sitting off to the side of those possessions, letting other guys, you know, take the reins. But he had the ball and the, the Hornets were running zone. Pumley was at the top of it. And Banton cut across it. Like he cut into the zone to create a look for Boucher, who was spacing in the corner. And that's just really heady basketball. Boucher made the three, of course, credit to him. But Banton, great cut, used his cutting to open up a teammate. That is not typically rookie behavior, but it's something he did. And the next, he uh, he took a, one of the handoff plays, the pet sets that the Raptors have. He was the keeper on it. He turned the corner and he got a dunk. Just a really, really nice play, a really, really nice run of basketball for him. And it was all in the half court. So half court Banton, who has struggled immensely this year, had a really nice half court stretch. I loved that. And then another guy who, you know, has not been getting minutes lately at all. Malachi Flynn made good reads in the open floor. Damn near traveled on one, but it ended up being a really good pass. It was almost like a Euro. In fact, I think it might have actually been a travel, but whatever. Stuck a midi after a really nice snatch back. Hit an open three, made good reads, played quality defense, didn't over-pursue, played within himself, used his active hands and his active feet, his active defensive inclinations, and overall really helped the rap- guide the Raptors through some minutes that, you know, if he wasn't the guy doing it at that point in time, who was it going to be and would they have done it as well as he did? I don't think anybody, considering the roster currently with Dragic not there, Van Vliet not there, Johnson not there, Scotty not there, Svi is just maybe, maybe Svi isn't part of the rotation the rest of the year, right? Depends how things look down the stretch, but who knows really? Malachi to step in this game, give them 11 and 3, I thought was a really, really big positive. Super proud of him. The uh, the front court guys, Boucher and Achua, I thought for the most part, they played excellent second fiddles to uh, what was going on as far as the shot making in from guys like Gary, OG, and Pascal. It's it's fantastic to see Boucher, a guy who anytime he touches the ball, 
you wonder if he may take that possession for himself. This same with Precious. Obviously, Boucher has a lot more offensive potency and punch, but I was really impressed with his his overall game. It, it wasn't as big as some of his like the numbers. He, he's always been somebody who plugs in with a lot of minutes. You're going to get a lot of box score feedback. That's kind of been his thing. He was a little bit quieter in that respect, but defensively, as I've said, the rotations out to contest threes, the rotations back towards the rim and everything like that, and to help at the rim have been, this is his best stretch of defensive basketball. That is still the case. He had several key breakups of lobs in this game that really changed how the Hornets were looking to attack. Some of that is like Pascal being able to range back and help and assist. But, you know, Boucher, I think, had quite a few impressive defensive plays in this game. And only six attempts from the floor, two of three from downtown, four of four from the free throw line, rebounded a little bit on the defensive end. That was like a piecemeal thing that the Raptors did in this game. But I thought he was just an immense positive. So good for him. And Precious, Precious continues to change a lot of shots at the rim. That's that's his big thing. That's the thing that has impressed me so much this year and something that's come along way faster than I might have expected is just changing shots, man. And changing shots is the most important thing you can do on defense. There's there's a reason Rudy Gobert wins the defensive player of the year, like every year, is because he changes a lot of shots and he changes how guys attack the rim. And Precious doesn't give you that Gobert type of impact defensively, but he certainly gives you impact defensively in a positive way. And in this game, I think that was definitely felt. He did a good job there. Even And he, and he hit a couple jumpers. So you couldn't really rest off of him defensively because he hit a couple jumpers in this game, and he made them pay if they were going to do so. So that was awesome to see. And then Utah, yeah, quiet game once again. He cannot drive to the rim and hasn't been able to for some time. There was some hope that you could see kind of bubbling up at one part of this season, but right now he puts the ball on the floor. You just think it's going to be a miss, a turnover, or a reset. That's tough. And uh, he had a three in this game. The defense was nice. It was on point, you know, as always with Utah. But the the ball going into his hands without him being wide open means that you've created virtually nothing on an offensive possession. And that is a big problem. That's something he has to get over if he wants to start playing more minutes on this team. But, you know, in this game, they're able to get past it because they had so much offensive pop from elsewhere. But the three points, you know, only two shot attempts in this game. He definitely had room for more. There were seams he could have attacked. The The turnovers were no good. I think he finished with three in this game. And so he's he's just struggling right now. But it wasn't detrimental in this game because the other players are playing so well, but he has to get back into the the thick of things, obviously. Reggie Evans Award, I just want to give it to Delano. I This game was not so much like a hustle game as it was like an offensive prowess game. So it's tough to give out a red, and there was no big, big um, rebounding performance. So it's tough to give out a Reggie Evans Award on a night like tonight, but I'm going to give it to Banton. So... Just because, like, hell yeah, dude, you played an awesome game and he brought it defensively and made really great decisions on offense. That is not at all. <laughs> that is not what Reggie Evans was known for. But if I could give an award to somebody who doesn't get many awards, I'd give it to Banton tonight. So, yeah. Uh, top quick reaction comment from Rye. R-Y-E. Quote, nice win. Good to see Trent go off. Glad our 6'9 backup point guard almost got a triple-double filling in for Fred. End quote. I mean, hell yeah. Pascal was awesome. 
It, it was funny t- on the on the broadcast when Matt Devlin referred to Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam as the backcourt. And then you kind of sit back and say, I guess he is the backcourt for this game. That is pretty odd. You see him guarding guys like Bridges, who is, you know, not a backcourt player. He's a wing. But you also see him guarding guys like Lamelo Ball. And you see that he's the primary initiator on offense. And you say, wow, I guess Pascal Siakam is backcourt for this game. It's not, it's not really true, especially when we think about, like, defensive responsibility most of the game. But also... You know, and and I think who you defend is more of a an indicator of <laughs> of what position you are than like offensive responsibilities, especially as the the NBA changes and guys like Jokic and Giannis and Doncic and like these huge behemoth dudes. Obviously, Doncic is smaller. They become the fulcrums of initiation rather than just post play. It's a uh, it's a changing league as far as like what a position is, but. It it is kind of funny to sit back and say, oh yeah, I guess point guard Pascal, hugely successful, 24, 12, and 9 in this game. So thanks for writing in, Rye. Uh, thanks for listening in, listener. I hope you enjoyed it. But whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>